This is DJ and Allison and welcome to Neon Nonsense. This episode is sponsored by Ventex Technologies. Welcome back everyone. We are so excited to be back to DJ. You drove like a hundred thousand miles in the last <laughs> four weeks or whatever. So long. <laughs> Never had Where, to get a oil change in a rental car before. That is how <laughs> many miles she drove, friends. That is that's how far. It was wonderful. DJ and I met up in Arizona, where we went to the Yuma Art Symposium, had a blast, hung out with cool artists, and then we ventured over to the Los Angeles area, and we had the pleasure of hosting a class at the Museum of Neon Art. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. We had some great students and we talked about some of the like fun occult history of the horseshoe. We really enjoyed the different skill levels. We gave them a couple options of horseshoe styles to do. And we had a student who was very ambitious and managed to complete a double horseshoe and mm -hmm. everyone else accomplished a single horseshoe. We were very proud to say that we actually got everyone's pieces pumped and blocked out in the class. So it felt like we really had a really good time together. <laughs> accomplished a lot. Yeah. yeah, it didn't feel like we went over time like a half an hour or more. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it was an awesome studio and an awesome place to learn the craft. And um, it was a, a blast to meet Michael Fleckner for the first time mm. on my end. Uh, and to watch him pump those units was a lot of fun. And to meet Roxy Rose for the first time, rock star, uh, who hopefully will be on the podcast one day. And hopefully. Yeah. We are super excited to share with you a conversation that we got to have with uh, the executive director of the museum, Corey Siegel. She had amazing insight on so many of the signage that we got to walk around. And this is the first time that we attempted a live recording. Uh, so bear with us, please, with our growing pains. Uh, Allison was amazing enough to in invest in a mobile podcast microphone and then I think did really well considering how much clicking and animator noise was in that <laughs> museum so but to be fair that was kind of the highlight for me was just standing in this room just literally surrounded by the animators the old school animators clicking and here and there you'll hear us just stop because we just stopped to listen to the clicking <laughs> so know that the clicking is intentional and like DJ said bear with us we're excited to share this experience with you it is Mona's 40th anniversary this year, uh, I think. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they may have skipped a year because of COVID. Um, so because of the kind of pirate radio way that we put this episode together, we <laughs> will be introducing you to Corey next. And then after that, we will have a walkthrough of the Museum of Neon Art in Glendale, California. To make it easier for you to join us in the gallery, we have put together a little time-stamped visual aid for you. There's a link in our description. Follow that link and you can see which signs we're talking about and enjoy. Hi, my name is Corey Siegel. I am the executive director of the Museum of Neon Art. We're also called Mona. We're located in Glendale, California, which is in LA County. And we're a uh, 41-year-old institution founded in 1981. We're one of the longest-running, artist-run museums in the world. Most of our board are either artists or preservationists, and my background is in art, not neon art. I'm trying to learn, but it's a really specialized field and um, just constantly amazed by the skill of the people in our community and how much it takes to bend a glass tube and wire it up. And um, I'm super happy to be here with you today. Yeah, so this exhibition is called 40 Years of Light because we turned 40 last year. 
and it's honoring this artist community that really like it's it's a very rare thing to have a museum that's been running for 40 years without any major like donors I think mm. hopefully we're getting there but the majority of like the reason why we're still alive is because of the generosity of neon artists that really believe it's very important to continue this craft continue safeguarding these treasures absolutely so yeah we're really grateful to them can you so, just hear that can it, yeah. i don't know if anyone can hear it but we'll get closer to it but there's just like so much lovely can clicking. we talk can i i know you said dr Kilsum was your favorite can we talk about that Sure. Yeah. Can you give us a little um, background on Dr. Kilsum here? <laughs> so um, it's a disheveled, formally dressed looking gentleman. And one of my favorite um, aspects, and he's chasing, kind of pointing and chasing and zapping some rats. And it says, Doc Kilsum in his suitcase, his patients all die. Um, <laughs> And it's just like, in terms of the story through the bending, it's really amazing how descriptive the line is that mm -hmm. his socks are all like, kind of look like they're falling off his yeah. Um, yeah. leg and his um, tail is wrinkled, but you know, in kind of being swept up in the air. It's like and Doc from uh, Back to the Future. Like yeah. 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 Oh yeah, because he has that like, for some reason, he has like green hair yeah. and blinking <laughs> like green yeah. eyes. He's like the Joker's grandfather. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> his coat and, like he has a fancy coat. My favorite yeah. aspect of the sign is the pink rats going up the side of the can until it hits his uh, <laughs> lightning hands, and then the the rat changes to a turquoise dead upside down rat. <laughs> I designed so much Doc Kills and merchandise for Mona, and only a few people. I know you have a sick sense of humor and right down my alley when you buy them, but I, I, I had the big awakening that not everyone wants to wear like dead rats on their hat. Or well, whatever. Socks, but you know. I disagree. <laughs> I, my, I think design-wise, what really gets me about this sign is his back foot is so graceful. Yeah. He's like a little ballerina, like the, yeah. the point is really awesome on him. And this is a really good example of hand painted sign versus an enamel sign. It ages differently. It's aging much more uniformly in places. And this is, I think, what a lot of people love to photograph now, the older signs, the ghost signs, if you will, um, versus the enamel where you have layers and layers and layers of glass covering the metal to protect it. Um, and really only impact will crack that off. A lot of people think that our 1930s signs are brand new because they look that way. Yeah, like the RCA sign, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, this, the story behind this sign is it was sketched out on a napkin and it was inspired by another um, exterminator that's quite famous. I know. I know. Yeah, that's a really good welt right there. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I know, so nice. <laughs> Um, there's also some really interesting welds around here. So this sign was created in the 1940s, but the symbol is for Paramount Pest Control, and it's been around for a while. You can see some mercury tube repairs that we did here. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's a nice comparison between the old uh, tubing and the new oh, tubing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, his hair is a... Uh, yeah, that is... Crazy. And this little like extra pointy chin, like it doesn't seem to be a beard. It just has like a really pointy chin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and his nose. Funny. I don't know. I don't know if I've shared this on our podcast before, but I'm obsessed with noses. I love a person who has a giant nose. Like it's actually. <laughs> I never want to make people feel weird, but I just love them so much. And this nose is like primo. This is a primo nose. Primo <laughs> nose. Yeah, and that white in that top hat looks old too. Yeah, it's really it yellowy. Like, Maybe yeah. it's like old candlelight. Yeah. So this uh, sign was moved from one location to another location, but when it was reinstalled, I think it it had to be taken down because of complaints that it was too morbid. Which, uh, <laughs> I guess. You know. Oh, I so I so relate to you, Doctor <laughs> Kelza. Oh, That's your previous life. I'm too morbid all the time. Oh my oh, God, that's a great yellow. story. 
Yeah, I always kind of when I describe this to my students now that I have images that I can put up in my studio, I can show people. But I always describe him as like Uncle Sam's weird uncle, like cousin or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Too like he's got Uncle Sam vibes or, as yeah, well. Yeah, and that can be a morbid thing yeah. too. So do you, so do you know how long it was up before people complained enough to take it down? I don't think it was up for long. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and it, that's it probably be- why it's still intact. Yeah, yeah, it was actually someone uh, spied it. I think it was like the building was being used as a yoga studio and they like just looked back into the back room and saw this and contacted the museum. Good. Thank you, person at the yoga studio. Yeah. The housings on it also are an art form in themselves. Just the placement. There's so many units on this piece that there's like, especially where the the mouse dies and then then the the lightning hits it, like... There's like so many housings going on. It's quite remarkable the design of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wonder how long it would take someone back then to make something like this, like a actual, like a sign shop that was, you know, yeah. had the capacity to do something like this. It's pretty. It's incredible. Amazing. When I was drawing out some of the merch, like the pin and stuff we sell, Doc kills them. I got a whole new appreciation for the design, like especially the housings. It, they're so elegantly laid out yeah. and used. Although I do sometimes wonder the P connecting Yeah, the choices there, are if, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the H is my favorite part, I think, yeah. now that I'm looking at it yeah. in real life. Like, that, like that bottom of that behind. H crossing is mm-hmm. just, like... It just goes to show that, like, really, like, you can do letters in a lot of ways. And it's still mm-hmm. legible mm-hmm. if you design it nicely. Like, nice, like if you have a good... Like eye for it. It's just like that H is sexy. I do have to say one of my favorite parts about the sign is the mechanical plate, the actual like contact plate inside. So if, for people who aren't familiar, I don't I don't really work with this kind of thing. Like we don't I don't really do that many mo but my favorite part is the rats never completely turn off. They just are like a little bit dim and then bright again. Like there's still power being. Oh yeah, you're totally right. They're flashing. Yeah, like so they flickering. Whoa! I never noticed that. Isn't that before. so cute? So it's just like interesting, especially and honestly, safety plug here. Like it can look like a piece is off, or even any lights, which can look like it's off, and there's still power flowing through it. So. Yeah. But yeah, Be they're like, yeah, careful. It's just like they're like about to get zapped, and they just like go, and then they die. I think it's cute. This animator. Um, was not working today, so I had to. We ha- this one is a little uh, finicky. Oh. We actually have a little stick here. I can show you. I was wondering what that stick was for. Yeah, we use it to nudge. We got a little. You got to nudge it to get it to work. The animator in there. Oh, oh look at all those wagos. Nice. Can I take a picture of the inner. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> <laughs> To poke the to, sign. To have my phone that close to the glass yeah. while leaning over it. And exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I feel very, very honored. Very honored. Yes. yes. So honored. We what? also, speaking of like innards, if you want to, oh, yes, whatever it is, uh, Take you got to carefully navigate. I can also, well, let me see if I can move. Ooh, something's back here. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, we can see all these animators for this. Housing? Yeah. Yes. I call them witch fingers. I know I've that's not the technical seen. term. <laughs> I've never seen it. I mean, I would call it Those are very old. something more phallic, but Those I would are, accept which fingers. Oh, Those yeah. are very old it housings. Does. Wow, and they're so clean. Yeah. That's amazing. So this was a very involved um, install process. Ooh, you can see the way there. Yeah, the it's tab. The tab forming. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a 1950s sign, so they definitely would have been able to... Uh, do it another way but I love that they did it this way and I think one thing that's so fun and interesting for me to realize as someone that's new to neon is like how much 
embodied like skills and how you're kind of tra traveling back in time when you look at this work, but also when you work with any bender because they're carrying all these skills that they learn from someone who learned from someone who mm -hmm. learned from someone. And it's often this continuum from like the 1920s or 30s to present. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you might have an old way of doing it that, you know, in the 1950s, I'm assuming they, you know, it would have been easy to weld that, but instead they use this older style because that's the how, way they've been doing it. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I don't know if the, I, I feel like welding is actually more of a recent development as far oh, as we understand it. I think industrial, large, and like GE and shit, like I think they could weld stuff, but I don't know if it became like commercially available to smaller places yet. I could be oh, wrong. Interesting. We should look that up. But um, yes, I think that was around the time that welding was, was starting to become a thing. In but, the 50s? Um, yeah, I believe so. Um, because it, it involved like the, you know, there's TIG welding and then there's um, arc welding. So like m maybe one is earlier than the other, different mm -hmm. types of welding. Um, I'm learning soon. I'm going to learn to weld soon. Cool. So I'm really excited. But yeah, that's amazing. It's just little fingers. It's so like they're, they're little hearts. What? Which one? Just like this, this whole thing. The animator here. So we had a huge team working on this sign. Sparks a little. When it came to us, it was completely like all the paint had chipped off. Most of the tubes oh, wow. were broken. Um, so we had to completely sandblast it, repaint it repattern it, bend everything, uh, wow. wire everything. I just love Build the frame blocks. it's on. Yeah. Yep, that's a Nick Cherbach. He builds most of our frames and he is just so good at what he does. It's a really ingenious way to be able to move these giant signs oh around. Oh my gosh, yes. My back thanks him. <laughs> All the team at Mona that has to move signs. someone who cares about yes. elevating the voices of people who are historically excluded and like yeah I can really say from my experience I, I'm grateful thank you I like preserving it too sorry I just want to add that mm. last thing of like I feel like that's a really hard line to walk where it's like I don't necessarily want to cancel what was made but I like being able to add that narrative of like this is not representative this is not made by that group of people but it's it's still like worthy of being preserved to have that conversation around and yeah, yeah. and it, it really differs I've talked to a lot of um, friends and colleagues that um, 
are have like tribal membership mm. and they have different thoughts about this They're, it's not a monolith at all like mm. some people love this imagery um, and some people see it as deeply problematic yeah I, I think it speaks to uh, you know this interesting point I think that we're all always at but um, there's been more of a racial reckoning in the United mm -hmm. States um, mm -hmm. or a reinvigoration of that and I think um, finding ways of dealing with these like basically like you know when I was thinking about moving this even mm -hmm. because originally I was like let's just get it out of the gallery put it in our warehouse and it was like oh that costs like a lot of money to get that truck and move that thing and it was and it is going to be a lot like really heavy I can't do it on my own so it kind of speaks to this like weight of white supremacy mm. <laughs> in some ways mm. or this weight of like history mm -hmm. and that the only way that we can move forward is doing it together having mm. conversations um, and mm. you know trying to figure out what the next steps are together mm -hmm. um, and enlisting other people to help us so can I ask just out of curiosity your opinion on because we're standing here in front of what I consider to be a racist depiction of Native Americans indigenous Americans mm -hmm. I'm here for the font in this sign. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm interested. This chief is gorgeous. This motel is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fonts, it's like it's hand painted. Um, but we're also standing behind a kind of Disneyfication of Chinese culture. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which, um, if anybody's interested in that, there's a really awesome 99% um, Invisible about Chinatowns that I highly recommend anyone mm -hmm. um, listen to if they're interested in Chinatown um, architecture and history. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, the Chinese theater, was that owned by a Chinese person? A Chinese person? It was um, not. It not. was started by Sid Groman. Okay. And it was during a time that um, there are a lot of um, appropriation or borrowing yeah. or whatever you want to say, like a lot of Egyptian imagery yeah. coming into mm -hmm. theaters too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it... I think a lot of times these depictions speak more to our um, history as Americans, no matter what way, race yeah. we are, and kind of how um, other cultures were commodified, mm -hmm. um, and don't really speak to the, the cultures that are commodified. Um, right. I think that it is a, a tricky thing, even the Chinese script is kind of written in this um, cartoon um, text. Yeah. yeah. So finding ways of being sensitive to that and um, thinking about how um, depictions of, you know, a dragon, which is, a, you know, seen as a sacred animal right. um, in many ways, in many um, cultures within China. Yeah, it's a really complicated thing. Right. And I think unfortunately when you look back at anything deep enough there are problematic mm -hmm. things to anything yeah so we're trying to figure out how you know how do you use it as a way to uh speak to that history and educate yeah. um educate yeah. start dialogue um there's a lot of people i mean neon i think is an amazing example of the way that we have all these different um intersections even your class yesterday um which i love that you came out and you're like i'm witchy i'm a feminist <laughs> i'm going to talk about my body i'm going to talk about beauty and it was mostly male students in the class yeah. and i think that that's a really amazing point that we have to um you know an asset we have at mona because people don't come to get educated about social issues necessarily. Yeah, you got to sneak um, it on them. Yeah, and it, that's the thing when I, you know, spoke to Rachel Mason, um, because when we got Circus a book, she was like, oh, I was hoping it would go to one archive, which is a gay lesbian archive at, um, cited at USC. And um, after talking to me, she was, um, she was like, I, you know, to be honest, I was really disappointed at first when my parents said they donated it to you because I thought it should be in a space that honors gay history. But now I realize that this is going to educate everyone 
and it's going to reach so many more people that aren't coming to learn about it. And I think that that's the key that's thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the interesting thing in the neon world too is that there's so many different backgrounds, so many different political mm. beliefs. And my interest is not in forcing any sort of political belief or narrative mm-hmm. on anyone. It's in finding a way that we can all have a, a conversation together that's unifying, that's mm. about dialogue rather than saying, you know, this is the right thing. Yeah. Um, so there's been lots of interesting conversations our educators mm-hmm. have had with people that are like, why is not on? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Like yeah. genocide. What's your, you know, yeah. <laughs> it becomes this conversation about, oh, well, like this is one other way of seeing it. Yeah. And it's not, you know, you're not wrong. We're not wrong. We're just having a conversation and trying to be true to all the narratives in this space. Sure. Um, we can't be true to everything. We're trying, but mm-hmm. it's a continual process of learning. Right. That yeah. hopefully people can come into the museum and um, nerd out and like have fun <laughs> and feel welcome and also feel like they're able to have these deep questions. Mm-hmm. And too. I also I feel like these things are also survivors, like real survivors, not just even even the ones that aren't even necessarily that old like circus of books it has a very very important history in lbgt culture mm-hmm. around the country not just in, the, in this area so yeah. like i just recently um was fortunate enough to do a very simple transformer change out on it's a royal ice cream enamel sign that's owned by durham north durham's historical society i believe um and it was present at one of the earliest sit-ins in the south so a lot of martin luther king's sit-ins and things around that time happened in the 60s this happened like 1954 and the ice cream parlor sat empty for a really long time afterwards and now it's like a a park which is awesome and it has like a historical marker and stuff but the sign itself was saved and just it existing still Mm -hmm. is a teaching tool for Jim Crow South stuff and all the shit that happened and you know Durham North Carolina is not like a big name in the civil rights I mean it is it is a big name and if you really know your history it is a really big place for civil rights history but not in the big like in in the history books you know history books and big quotations everyone (laughs) but um that is like yeah it's a physical object that proves that this happened at this time and I think that's like the amazing capability of neon signs and that's why we do walking tours and bus cruises is that people realize that they are owners and protectors of their own history and they have the ability to remake narratives and tell the stories that really matter to them so um, I think that's like one of the joys of, of working here is that like we can interpret the built environment and it's accessible to anyone no one needs to go into the museum to learn about um, neon and learn about their own history. We try and make walking, like we have downloads that you can do of different areas in Los Angeles. So you can do your own free walking tour of that area. And the idea is that it's like, it's the the streets are open to everyone. And um, when you scratch at the surface, like Lincoln Market, for example, that um, it's, a amazing sign from the 1920s but it's also the predecessor to the mini mall it's the predecessor to the supermarket it was started by Japanese American immigrants in Pasadena so just kind of having all these narratives at once and and showing that like what is Americana is so complex and it speaks to the diversity and the ingenuity of like all these people that came um, to make their mark and or didn't want to make a mark and or were here survival against or, their will or or, or were here you know to begin with mm-hmm. and what refugees you know, yeah mm-hmm. any of it yeah. so I think that that's like a really fun place to play because we can talk about all these like Neon is such an agile medium to use to talk about all these big mm. issues that we're facing. Mm. And uh, I've said it before, it's also kind of like the great uh, equifier of, of everyone. Like, if you go to gay clubs, there's neon. 
you go to like the most southern, most conservative bar in Alabama, there's neon. And the church. And, and churches, churches have neon. neon. And, you know, it just keeps going. So it's just like everybody has a, an association with it. Usually positive, I would hope. Um, but, yeah, I, I have people actually ask me when you were talking about the re, re, uh, Beautification of America Act. A lot of people don't realize that was really the first big blow to neon signs. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, well, how could people think neon signs were, were trashy? Mm-hmm. Like, people just don't un- comprehend yeah. how many there were everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, it was kind of like Market Street in San Francisco. It was like around this, mm-hmm. it had a similar act at a similar time, and there was used to be a lot of neon down Market Street, mm-hmm. and then it was like they were like clean up the streets. It was like it was like clean the streets act or something like that. The was, American Beautification Act, I think. Was that the nationwide one or a local mm-hmm. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah nationwide. Uh, that was Lady Bird Johnson. Lady Bird was really interested and invested in that. Yeah, I recall now. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lady Bird. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, also, does that bumblebee butt? Oh yeah, that's the. Uh, <laughs> let me turn. Mhm. Yes. I'm having. Like, having shock and oh, the animation oh, on the bumblebee. Cute. Roxy Rose bent that awesome. for us. We love you, Roxy. We love you. Yeah. No, the bee's face is adorable. That's that peach it's color again. It's a peachy pinky thingy again, but it's also like white. And I think it's old. Love, it's just old white. I think it's an old, like, peachy white that's been staining or something. Orchid? Is that a color? Orchid, maybe. Oh, it could be. Oh, wait. I can see the I feel like orchids may be pinkier. Maybe. Yeah, that's an example. Skin tone white. It says skin tone white. Oh, dear God. (laughs) (laughs) No. That's what it says. Oh, my God. So if you look in that middle standoff, right next to it, it says skin tone white. Oh my God! And I just like to remind everyone who's listening that it's actually almost almost impossible to make brown and black skin tones if you're doing a, a face or a figurative piece like that. And so we've already discussed some of our more racist beginnings of neon, and uh, it's kind of like insult to injury there to actually name a white skin tone. Well, and it's not just neon; oh, cool. it's crayons, it's paint, it's everything before a certain time period that involved colors <laughs> but I mean, that doesn't make changing. it okay exactly yeah. yeah there's like those other industries are changing but the combinations of glass aren't really changing in neon yeah like i actually saw some hand pulled tubes in uh, or no they were hand pulled but let the radian had a small batch of amber colored glass like color um yes classic yes oh it was so beautiful i like to use lavender as a skin tone, if oh. I have to use this, you do skin tone because it's more purple than white. Mm. And I think that's a good stylistic middle area. Could we talk a little bit about the plasma room? This is a wand designed by Candace Gone, who um, she created this beautiful chair in the front room. Mm. And she also created a jellyfish in the plasma vault which I'll show you. So this has neon gas inside of it. And then when I hold it up to the Tesla coil, it illuminates. So, and then we can kind of, isn't it beautiful? Yeah. So we hand these out to visitors so they can kind of feel it for themselves. We don't want to hand this precious wand out to anyone. (laughs) Um, But you can demonstrate how conductive the body is mm-hmm. through this. You can also, with this piece and this piece only, hover your hand. These works, um, many of them in this space, are by Larry Albright, who wow. unfortunately passed a few weeks ago Aww. due to complications with COVID. Oh, no. um, he is a pivotal presence in the neon community and also um, in Mona's history, he helped to sign the incorporation papers and was a really essential part of bringing this museum to life. We've, we were founded by artists. We continue to be run by artists. Most of our board is artists. I'm an artist. So having that spirit of generosity that Larry brought, he taught generations of neon people, Stu Ziff, who 
um, designed the Jacob's Ladder at the front of the museum. Oh, wow. uh, Bill Concanon, who did a lot of the small neon builds. Bill, Bill. Lyle George, who teaches neon classes with us, and he was just an incredible person. Um, so generous, so funny, so exploratory. We're working on collecting stories about him um, so that we can just archive who he was. Sure. Um, and he was the guy who invented the mass-produced plasma ball. So wow. Um, it's thanks to him that if you had uh, plasma ball for Spencer's gifts. Yes. That, that was that was Larry. Oh my god. Um, oh, I'm gonna cry. He was collected by Michael Jackson. He designed um, some of the props from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Star Wars, Star Trek. He's kind of the most famous pop cultural figure you've never heard about. Sure. Um, but he was also such a teacher, and I think that's one of the core of. You know, our mission at Mona is that it's artists teaching other artists, yeah. and um, he was really emblematic of that. So it's a huge loss for our community. Absolutely. We also have pieces by Wayne Stratman. That's just yes, no, yes, yes no. Cork Marcheski. May I, may I make this? Yeah, one yeah. Here? That's okay. I don't want to get. Um, this one, the transformer is uh, zapped. So sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. That's why I asked for permission, I just want to make yeah. sure that I don't. Um, and that's Mundy Hepburn. Oh, yeah. We have some works from David Svensson, Ed Kirshner, uh, Kazumi Svensson, and this is a Xenon piece by Danny Bonet. And she, uh, this oh, is her Xenon? first piece with Xenon. It's not Krypton? Uh, nope, it's Xenon. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes there's a little issue with a antenna just because it's kind of experimental but usually takes like 20 clicks to get it oh, oh there, there it goes, goes. Uh, there it goes uh, almost oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's yeah, a awesome. really beautiful piece and so Nina just does that it's not special pumping or anything well it's, it's high, high pressure, pressure. Yeah. high pressure so mm -hmm. she just pumped extra gas this in is there. really high pressure because i've been doing because this is probably 12 mil yeah, looks like it. And I've been experimenting with smaller tube sizes like that, and you have to really do high pressure. Okay. Like, I've been doing it, like, 18 to 20 on that naked piece I shared in our workshop, and it's, like, pretty excitable. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, this, I mean, I would have to guess, but I'm probably, like, 30 to 35 tour, probably. Wow. It has a lot of transformers. I think it has, like, eight transformers. Um, I also find that they don't that it doesn't get as excited by the magnetic transformers. Only the electronic ones. When I when it's like a neon piece, not a plasma piece, because I, I don't have any experience with the larger vessels. But when I put it on my burn-in, it's a straight beam of light, and when I put electronic transformers on it, it's more like excited like that. Thank you so much for bringing us in. Yeah, of course. Um, so this, this is Xenon too, and mm -hmm. that's also Xenon, but mm -hmm. this has um, oxygen, so that's why it looks like the Aurora Borealis, because ah. that's the same thing that's happening with the yeah. plasma, different gases oh, in the plasma. Ooh. Yeah, nice I really like camera this. work. <laughs> <laughs> that's Ready oh Kilowatt. God, Ready Kilowatt's in there! I know. And he's actually um, serving as an electrode. Yeah. So this is kind of like a giant Aerolux bulb with a lot more pressure and uh, electricity running through it. I have a sexy lady one, like a trucker lady one. Oh, it doesn't wow. work all the time. If you would want it for the collection, yeah. it would, it'll break in my shop. I also have a, a love love sculpture one like cool. l-o-v-e i said yes you. when you asked that question <laughs> the red lit on the yes i just want to we're inform you we're getting ready for an aerolux exhibition because brian curry has a whole bunch oh, yeah, i have a bunch in my office yeah. if you want to see any of them i would love to um the jellyfish is so cute with little tentacles yeah um, i think it needs a uh, more intense transformer oh yeah so just a little tech 22 on there and then this one's so fun. 
really dear god a trippy time with that one yeah and it's this perfect because it's like in its own case no one can break it mm-hmm. well someone could break it but not easily <laughs> Do you want to see some of the Aerolux? Yes, well, definitely. absolutely. Is it not even with a phosphor coating on it yet? No, I haven't seen the flowers. Yeah. No, I have not seen any flowers. That's amazing. Are those basically like Nixie bulbs? Are they like very similar to Nixie bulbs? Well, yeah, I think they're the same. So they have um, neon or argon gas inside of them, which I believe is <gasps> the Nixie little bulbs. metal bases. Um, yeah, and they're really quite special. Okay, let's move that out of the way. So, here, I'll turn it on for you. Oh, wow. Okay, Jess Crochelle, this is a shout out to you. You are going to be so excited when I send you this photograph. <laughs> I, think she, I think she's seen it because she came to visit us. Oh, yes. Um, oh, it's a little flat. And I gave her a little bird. tour of our Aerolux. They look like they're like coated, like in a metal. Yeah, so they have a phosphor coating. I believe that the um, the bird is just plain. Um, it's just the argon gas. Wow. Oh, Gathering cute. around the electrodes. That made. Yeah. So do you know what they're made out? What the metal is that they're made out of? That's a good question. I need to do more research on that. Man, I can. Yeah, you can. We've been trying to figure out Bruce Suba and Danny Bonet and maybe Michael Fleckner were going to potentially do this project with the Getty yeah. because um, there is a exhibition of Fluxus art and they did some work with Aerolux bulbs. So they were thinking about making some for exhibition cool. because these will die after use, like a long period. Right, of yeah, use. they're very. Um, uh, time sensitive. Yeah, as an object. Up being kind of just too expensive to make it for the Getty. Yeah, um, I for see. This, like show that was not really devoted to the. You mm. know, it was more devoted to Fluxus. So, um, but we have the, like, an airplane. Is, oh yeah, we got <gasps> an airplane. Yeah, you can take your. Oh, and then there's also. Some really, yeah, the <laughs> structures for them are really cool. These are great. Isn't that so cute? <gasps> it's a little Scotty dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bases are oh. art, too. And so do you see how there are two parts that yeah. don't touch? Yeah. Isn't that so crazy? So even Look at this the is side. the, yeah. Whoa. So is that like the anode and the cathode or Whoa. whatever? And this one... The Scotty dog emerges through the hole, so it doesn't touch. If they did touch, they wouldn't work. And we have a couple examples that don't work. Touch the glass, you mean? If the, uh, um, the parts metal. of the metal touch. Oh, I see. They have to be so separate. short itself yeah. out? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And that's why like light bulbs have that like f- like the little w- curly Q filament inside. Mm. Probably, right? To keep them separate? I cannot speak with authority on that. I don't okay. know. And then there's also... Yes, yes, yes. Show us all the things. Ooh, we were like, yes, tell us. Um, but, like, look at these bases. These are so cool because the way just they were designed. Let's see if I have. Yeah, the little shell sconce one is amazing. Yeah, I can't. They were designed to have this little mirror situation. Oh. So you don't have to plug it in. You can, I can plug it in if you want. It was like the, the art deco design. The, 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 the like first infinity box. This one is uh, just so fancy. Like, well, we can try. We can try. I don't know if this one will work because look at this cord. But yeah. Let's give, <laughs> give it a try. Might short out. It might be fine. Actually, I don't think it's like I think it just plugs in, so I guess there's no switch on. It's okay, we don't want to start. Oh, are Ooh, you okay? exciting! <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> Literally exciting. That's why you're really careful whenever you're dealing with live electricity. Yeah. And old wiring. Oh, but I do want to take a photo. This, look at this <laughs> you know what you need on next to your electrical outlet? A thing of cardboard. That's cardboard. what that's what the, that's what that is. That's cardboard. 
Wow. That's yeah, what's crazy that. about old old uh, electronics is how much paper they use to insulate stuff. <laughs> Seriously. Or even like new wires. I'm like, why is there paper around this? Who chose that? That's amazing. Okay. Okay, thank you for showing Thank you so guys. much. Oh, yeah. And then I have something else potentially dangerous to show you. Yes. Danger. Danger. In the danger I can't get over this loop de loop. This tube is gigantic. Yeah. Brian Coleman. Oh, wow. Brian the Master. All right, I have a question that we don't even have to include on here. But uh -huh. do you have any sense for your electrical bill? At Mona, mm. and how oh, all of these lights, question. yeah, yeah, and part, and part <laughs> but not we to would say, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what we always say is that the main source of our electrical needs is our AC. Mm -hmm. So if we didn't have to pay for AC, we'd be set. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that, like, uh, I guess I could probably look in our shutdown data of yeah. um, our electricity bill. But we weren't running our AC then either. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I would say that these don't, you know, turning them on consumes more electricity than keeping them running, right. obviously. But yeah. uh, I don't think it's that big of an expense. Yeah. It's still the greenest form of light. Yeah. The detail in the painting in this one, the, the ones that are like really painted, like even even the, uh, the headdress in the Native mm -hmm. American guy over there, um, the like, I love porcelain, don't get me wrong. Like it, porcelain is definitely beautiful, but like the hand-painted folk artness of this one. Mm -hmm. I love it. And the face of the horse and the face of the dude, like it's, it's like, a lot of people think he's farting. I see it. Thank you. Okay, I was telling DJ, I was like, we have to talk about the fact that his little, like, whippy thing definitely just looks like a bunch of farts, which I'm here for because I've written the word, like, fart and neon multiple times. Noble gas. my favorite thing. Exactly. You know what I find interesting, though, about this is, like, if I were designing it, just saying. <laughs> Why did they block this out? It could have just been more animation. Well, it looks like it It would have done it at the same time. Yeah. I take it back. Never mind. Sorry past person <laughs> designer of neon. You answered a question that I have asked before. I like it anyway. It's good. Like this is another one that where the housing this placement is, a... is like on another level, like with yeah. the tail and everything. We are now in the front room. This is my favorite combination. This is co uncoated cobalt with neon gas inside, and it is my ultimate favorite. It is a really cool it's red. It's just impossible to do well because electrodes hate me apparently, but it's fine. That's a piece by David Otis Johnson. He teaches our intro to neon art class and he also Ooh. helps to install a lot of our signs. So uh, I like the standoffs that he chose. That yeah, like very short. minimal, minimalistic. Yeah, very good like design. Yeah, his work like is very invested in kind of infinity spaces and sleek. This piece is backlit. Oh yeah, it is. Hard, and it looks to me like the tube is um, violet, but it's hard to, I think maybe my eyes being tricked, like maybe it really is like 4,500. Oh, that's my, my, that's my lavender. It is your lavender? <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure it's either lavender or um, violet. So I'm pr only I'm pretty sure it's not violet, at least the new violet, because the violet I've been using. Has oh, that's been, I think that's lavender. I think you're right. I love me some lavender. So above us is an amazing sculpture, uh, also by David Stenson. Stenson, yeah. yeah. Stenson, mm -hmm. yeah. That is a single tube hanging from the ceiling, made out of PVC pipe structure that has multiple PVC pipe pieces coming out of it and hanging from each pipe is a delightful single electrode plasma figure. It kind of like resembles a little chicken, one resembles like a seahorse a little bit, like the hands. Kind of uh -huh. giraffe yeah. and then it has these cute little like stripy bellies. 
it gives me like a um Oh, Neil Gaiman kind of like Ooh, yeah, 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 feeling. Yeah. I don't know why exactly. Yeah. Like they're just swimming yeah. in the ceiling, and, and they have like these cute like denim shorts on. They do. <laughs> jorts. They got jorts. They got on. some jorts. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, they're so cute. Uh, and so their lips are like so pinchy, little pinchy mouths. Yeah. So this is one of those fun examples of a neon-filled tube with mercury inside. So the mercury is only vaporizing in the body and like the areas where it's further away from um, wow. the source. You get that like gradient. nice pink gradient in the beak and the mm-hmm. fingers and the feet. Yeah. That's so. I I was wondering like how you could get the beaky part to be red, but the but the the pants are still blue because it's next to the electrode. So that's where the mercury is. Yeah. I'm um, calling them pants. They're not pants. <laughs> the blue part. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Little that's spandex shorts. Fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah, Dave is so good at um, what he does and very innovative. Every little stripe there that you see is phosphor that has been removed. So he starts with a phosphor tube and then he scrapes out. um, That's not like been blown glass. That's actually phosphor. That's all phosphor. No way. It's breaking my brain. Yeah, it's breaking my brain. Well, now I want to visit this person's studio and check out their tools because this sounds amazing. You can use dental tools, and uh, little brush, little brushes. I don't want to touch them. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has an amazing studio. I have yet to visit, but he, he lives in Wrightwood, and he has this Quonset studio oh, hut. Yes. And then both him and Kazumi are incredible artists. Dave comes from a long line of artists. So it's a pretty... Even his son, Sean Svensson, has shown at Mona. That's one of the things that drew me to Neon when I was first starting, is I was meeting all of these lovely people and I was noting how so many of them are just natural storytellers like my friend we would just like start shooting the shit and they would just be we would like look at the cock and be like he just told me like 30 <laughs> stories based on the people that he's met and the signs that he's made for them or like the there's just this yeah like you were saying like that great equalizer there's just something about the way it can retain a story and the meaning people have by something so visual that mm-hmm. you know everything from like in Portland the there's that big iconic sign that used to say White Stag, and now it says Portland, Oregon. And there were all these, like, controversies that people didn't want to change. Didn't necessarily want to, like, buy the product, but there's just something about that constant beauty and, like, literal beacon that made, like, brought a sense of pride to the city. And and it's this interesting, like, spark of storytelling that I just... I don't really feel like I've encountered in another medium before. And, And I've been in the arts for, like, quite some time, so... Yeah. yeah, I think neon benders are survivors in so many ways. You have to have like a certain amount of grit and <laughs> smarts and people skills in order to survive, or at least like I think it's we're reaching this new neon renaissance. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that it continues for a long while, but mm-hmm. like for a while, jobs were scarce. Mm-hmm. So in order to get that job you had to have the gift of the gab and you had to be like you know someone that people could trust someone that people could hang out with so yeah with the skills to make anything this is a piece by brian coleman i mean he's also a very influential figure at mona and in the neon world you can see his slices are pretty nice and then he collected a lot of rare glasses i think Sometimes he would go to Europe to just, like, get glass like this. The thing that fascinates me about this piece is that everything I know about, first of all, that splice on a, on I a, know, right? on a tube. But then also, like, we have a emerald green, what looks like 13, 15, 15 millimeter emerald green, wrapped tightly around a 25 millimeter cobalt tube. Um, and it's touching, which... Everything in my body doesn't understand how that's allowed. Allowed. <laughs> oh, I don't see the touching. At the very last, oh, yeah. it's like kind of touching it there. Does. 
Maybe I just like narked on somebody's yeah. install. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe slightly touching. Yeah. But it's not affecting it. I mean, it's it's not like I've. When every time that's happened to me, it's like there's been a dim spot yeah. or More it's buzzes. flickering or it's buzzing. But this is it. Just it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's so in so the colors. Beautiful. And these transitions from the very thick tube to the thin tube. Do you think this is xenon back here or or um? Like the white blue? It may be, now that I'm seeing it. It's got mercury in it. Yeah, definitely something with mercury. Um, Brian is known for adding a lot of mercury. So what you were talking <laughs> about before with mercury standing in the drops, you can really see mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of drops And up here are there. these splices right here. I love that someone can be known for using a lot of mercury. I, <laughs> or at that least makes known me, to me. That makes me feel good. I, I, yeah. I, I, I identify with that a lot. Yeah, P73 gold. I know. This one's my that's, favorite. It's like you, it's like completely spliced. Like there's no. This is the one that I'm. I like. I, I feel like I know how most of the stuff in here uh -huh. works and is going. This is the one where I'm like, what so is happening in here? Yeah, Ray Howlett. He is one of the light and space artists, um, but lesser known. So Ray Howlett is one of the light and space artists. He's uh, still working and making today. And um, he has a background as an engineer. So a lot of what he does requires a lot of math. Um, I can see that. And he uses dichroic glass. Yeah. So the reflection mm. you're seeing is um, because of the dichroic glass. So it's changing Prismatic. at a... Yeah, prismatic yeah. gradient. Because at the bottom of the base, when you look at it, it looks like there's just a white neon in there. Yeah, I believe that this might not even have neon yeah, in I, it. I think it might wow. just be a little yeah. fluorescent. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. But it, Ray has worked with neon in the past, but um, this is one of his pieces that God, I love it. It's just so delightfully 80s. Like, the particular pastel colors that are being captured with the, like, the prism effect is just... Yeah, very yeah this lovely. pink is pink to orange to green and gradient. Like yellow here. here. And these were on Different start, angles. like, um, some of his sculptures were, like, the futuristic uh, art in Star Trek. Yeah, I was so. actually going to say, it reminds me of, like, the Star no. Trek logo a little bit. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, that's, like, the coolest resume line <laughs> in the entire <laughs> world. Uh, ah! Maybe someday we'll be that cool. So the original Star Trek are like uh, the remake, the new one. The ones. original. That's no, crazy. What? All right, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go watch the entire all of that now to go try he and find that. He has an artist talk um, that's on our page, and I think we show a picture of cool. Spock or something. Cool. One of those. Interesting. Okay. And then there's this one last thing I want to show you. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen Bubble? Oh yeah, you worked on. Do you think you have, right? I have not. I I have the bubble thing I worked on was kind of like a uh, very MacGyvered non-bubble thing. Um, this is different and amazing. Oh my God, Leo. So this is neon tubing, but it's filled with dichloromethane, which has a really low boiling point. So basically, when we turn on the light it emits enough heat that um, <gasps> soon this is gonna start bubbling up. Oh my God. This is so satisfying. And uh, you might recognize, I guess there's some old school like Christmas lights. Yes, that are bubble like lights. This. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Yes, this is a very toxic, beautiful thing. Yeah, <laughs> so we don't have it on all the time because yeah, this is a carcinogen, Yeah, this type of liquid. I think inside of the tube, it's fine. Sure. But if it were to break, that would be... Yeah, yeah and some nasty not stuff. So good. Yeah, mine, the one that I had was not that type of liquid, I don't think. I think it was something that someone had, like, basically, like, I don't know, I, I couldn't even... I, I would need, like, some sort of chemistry degree to actually figure out what was inside these mm. tubes. But they were just corked on top they oh, weren't sealed wow. so this stuff apparently evaporates extremely quickly yeah. and so through like questioning a bunch of people on facebook and stuff we just deducted that it was just kind of like an homage to this oh, so there was okay. some sort of oil inside those my tubes at the bar that i was in that was just like um doing a cool visual effect with the neon behind it 
so there were straight tubes behind these multiple sconce covered tubes of with Mm. and i just replaced it with um denatured alcohol and then sealed sealed the tubes with silicone on top okay because i was not going to reinvent that yeah (laughs) and if it evaporates it's alcohol it evaporates you know i can refill it so it's not toxic as toxic this is great. Yeah. yeah. The bubble action is surprising. Yeah. It really can get going. It's fun. And I love the way they compose the A where it just arches. So it over. says Leo C. Nasser. Yeah. He sold um, men's clothing in Azusa, California. And he was also kind of a philanthropist as well. Um, wow. Oh, and I mean, this is perfect for a lot of people just pass by this area, but I'm sure you'd be really excited. Those to glasses. See. Look at this that tiny ribbon burner. Oh, oh dear God. It's so lovely. Um, and then we have these old style standoffs here. That's what these glass things are. Those oh, would make some of those my so goodness. Um, I love those electrode holders. Yeah. So this comes from the collection of. Uh, the Trombley family, and they are really interesting. Like, speaking of storytelling, mm. um, we have this whole little thing about um, the Trombley family and kind of this generation of um, you know people that worked in neon, and also you know for NASA, and uh, I think they ran. They were part of like in the prohibition effort. They like ran alcohol or something. Like, yeah. I don't know, there's like so many juices. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then we have the old William Sign Company manifold. That's so beautiful. Which is pretty. All cool. glass stopcocks. Mm, greasy business. Wow. What is is that? Just rope? What is that thing on the diffusion pump that goes to the back? I think that's. Fiberglass is what Brian Curry was telling oh. me. Some sort of early hose. Yeah. Damn. Love the little early Mr. Electrode. Store in dry, clean place. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. This is a Michael Fleckner piece. Look at this. What? You can turn. It's a menorah. So you're supposed to light it. Michael. This is Isn't the coolest so menorah fun? I've ever seen. Wait, it's like those little bulbs we're looking at. They're just yeah. coated. Look, it's like a little piece of metal inside, a little yeah. tiny electrode. See? You can see the two. Is that pieces. tubulation glass? That's totally tubulation. Sure looks like glass. it. I think uh, I can't remember what these are. Yeah, they're kind of like mixy bulbs, but um, McFarlane Moore, I think, originated these bulbs. Great. Like more like more tube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that base is amazing too. Yeah. Okay, before we let you go, Corey, what's your favorite mishap that's happened at Mona since you started? Favorite mishap? Your favorite mishap? It's just like the nonsense that I thought I'd bring to today's impromptu. I would interview. say the first time I electrocuted myself, which is the last time, so hopefully that'll be um, <laughs> smart woman. Smart. But it was one—I don't know—it was just like a silly thing. But it was—I um, was moving a Kunio Ohashi piece and. Michael Fleckner likes to joke that Cuneo's benevolent ghost is at the museum. And I really felt like it was like, it was just a little jolt to remind me like, oh, you live in, I mean, you, I guess I do kind of live at the museum now, but yeah. like this place is dangerous <laughs> yeah. and you should be careful. And it was, yeah, I felt like very protected as much as you can for getting electrocuted that's awesome <laughs> that's really great well soon great you'll have a horseshoe guarding your yeah the lab and it'll, maybe good. it'll appease whatever so. his ghost is cranky yeah like, or the devil you know or the devil yeah thank you both <laughs> for, um, for coming it was really uh, a joy to have you teaching a class and a lot of people had really great feedback and um, just what you do to advance neon and like teach these skills and share technical knowledge is a very special thing long live neon thank you yeah yeah the next generation thank you so much Corey. thanks for being here we super appreciate the tour learn from you guys yeah everybody come to mona it's the coolest place on the planet (laughs) (laughs) and with the coolest gift shop i've ever been in seriously no joke The Museum of Neon Art is located in Glendale, California, 
and we teach neon bending classes. We restore old neon signs to display in our museum. We also consult people that need to fix up their neon signs. We advocate for historic preservation. And we have rotating exhibitions of both contemporary and historic art. And um, we also have a lot of resources online at neonmona.org, as well as on our Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that good stuff. So I hope you'll use our resources and come to visit us sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Corey. That was just magical. The sassiest chicken I've ever seen is at Mona. Go check it out.